0: The views, information or opinions expressed today are solely the views of the individuals involved, including today's guests and does not represent absolute facts and should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. Such views are the views of individuals and do not represent the official opinion of the International OCD Foundation
1: not not wanting to learn just never be, having been given the opportunity to kind of know that information and recognize it so i think i'm optimistic that you know we're at a turning point where people are willing to see this as something that's important and i do think that there are lots of coaches out there who are making this a priority because i think like you said like the more like the better mental health that your team does they're going to perform physically better on the field and i think it's recognizing that those two aren't separate entities and you kind of need really need mental health to be strong to also see that kind of physical performance from your team and when we can recognize that that needs to be a priority i think is when teams are going to have a ton of success
0: Excited to have uh, Claire Kehoe with me today, one of the uh, co-founders of Morgan's Message, an organization that's, that's doing so much for the, the stigma around mental health and uh, mental health education awareness in, in general. So Claire, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: What made you shift from orthopedics to, to psychiatric uh, mental health?
1: Yeah, that's a great question um honestly morgan was a huge factor in that um Mm -hmm. so i grad i went to college with morgan grew up with morgan um i graduated in 2019 uh, moved up to new york city first job post college Um, i originally was pre-med so kind of always had that plan spent all of college completing all those classes um hence the major and the minors um but then got up to new york started working shortly after graduation and about a month into my job is actually when Morgan died by suicide in July of 2019. Um, so that obviously had a huge impact on me. Um, I was loving my job. I was brand new. So I think life was a little crazy, just adjusting to real world and then having, um, something so tragic like that happen so suddenly, um, really forced me to kind of take a step back and evaluate what I was doing, why I was doing it. Um, sounds cliche, but the phrase, like, life's way too short. I think I really felt that sentiment after losing Morgan. Um, Mm -hmm. I had lost other kind of like elderly family members in my life, but I had never experienced loss of someone my own age so close to me, Um, especially from something like suicide that came um, unexpectedly. So I think for me, I all of a sudden was like, do I really want to spend the next 10 years of my life um, in kind of medical training? Um, I still love orthopedics. I think part of why I loved orthopedics was because of the athlete aspect of it. Um, right. Sports were always a huge part of my life. Um, and that's why I love now. I still get to work with athletes in a different capacity. Um, and sure. I decided I like the path of nursing because it was really holistic. So you're still you know, caring for patients. Um, there's still a lot of medicine involved. But There also is that kind of aspect of looking at your patients as people beyond just what they're, you know, in the hospital for. So that's really what drove me to nursing. And then I applied to nursing school, started last summer and never thought I was going to necessarily go into psych mental health. Um, But at the same time in July of 2020 is when we actually launched the nonprofit Morgan's Message in honor of Morgan. Um, And through the work with Morgan's Message, I realized that this is really what I want to do. Um, and so I'm excited eventually to kind of combine my nursing career with, um, kind of my Morgan's message and passion for mental health, um, that I get to kind of work out right now outside, um, of nursing school.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's always a beautiful thing when, when you can kind of align the two things like your, your career and, and, um, you know, what you're passionate about. Uh, I think it, it, it's not that it's rare, but it doesn't, you know happen for everybody so it's it's a special thing to be able to do that um i want to backtrack real quick and kind of just start off talking about how you know tell us a little bit about morgan's message
1: morgan's message was created by a handful of morgan's close friends so my close friends former teammates um a handful of us that had grown up playing club lacrosse together so spending hours and hours at tournaments, practices, traveling all up and down the East Coast together. Um, and then some of her family members as well. And then also some of her teammates from college. So basically, in, in light of losing Morgan, everyone was obviously really kind of lost and trying to process what had just happened. Um, we then had a pandemic hit in the spring. So that was like a short, I don't know, seven, eight months after Morgan had died. Um, so then life as we knew it really shut down. Um, and during that time, it actually forced a lot of us who had been living all over the country um, to come back home for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So during that time, um, it would have been Morgan's birthday in May, and we had a little social distance gathering in Morgan's backyard to be able to see each other. Because before then, um, we'd kind of the last time we'd all been together was at Morgan's funeral. Um, we'd all been kind of separately, but together, kind of continuing to process that loss. This was the first time we all really. Could come together after you know a little bit of time spent grieving and processing um to kind of figure out what we were going to do and we all kind of decided that you know morgan was such a special person she was one of those people who her energy was infectious like you couldn't miss her in a room um she was always kind of bringing people together really great at connecting with all types of people also just a lot of fun she was super silly um she loved to dance she loved music she was always know the one on ox djing any any gathering that there was um we realized that we couldn't just let kind of her memory go away and we really wanted to kind of share her story and you know what had happened to morgan because i think it's something that a lot of people can unfortunately relate to Um, so we all kind of came together around morgan's birthday and it started as the idea of starting a podcast Uh, we wanted to you know, share people's experiences, um, their journeys with mental health, um, because we thought that that was something that Morgan probably could have benefited from. Um, I think a huge aspect of her story is that she really felt alone in what she was going through. Um, She journaled a lot, and everyone kind of in her family and friends have learned a lot about what Morgan was feeling since she has passed, but a lot of those things were never kind of fully out in the open um, when she was still here. So we thought, you know, like podcasts are awesome it's a great way to connect with people and share people's experiences why don't we start a podcast um so we kind of launched morgan's message in july of 2020 so a year after she had passed as this kind of like community movement and we were going to start a podcast and we were kind of just building starting to build this community ahead of that Um, we had never anticipated uh the kind of following we would get from the get-go and morgan's message obviously has grown to way more than a podcast um we had a lot of interest from current student athletes so high school and college kids um actually one of morgan's teammates at duke um, in the wake of losing morgan had already kind of started this kind of student athlete mental health group at duke and she had stayed really close in touch with morgan's family um, and friends kind of in this kind of year after we had lost morgan Um, And she was like, you know what, have you guys ever considered, you know, bringing this to campuses? Um, Like, this is something that I think everyone could benefit from. Um, And so that's where Anna Callahan became our first official Morgan's Message Ambassador at Duke. And that was in September of 2020. Um, So basically, one of the big things we do and what I work on is we have this Campus Ambassador Program. So it's current high school and college student-athletes. Um, bringing this peer-to-peer mental health education and community to their campus. Um, The goal is that, you know, they're able to start these important but often difficult conversations that we often avoid um, and really building a safe space for people to, you know, be their authentic selves, recognize that, yes, athlete is a huge part of, you know, our identities, but we're humans too. And it's important to kind of give time to that as well. Um, So the, the kind of premise of that is, Morgan's message education program is creating these you know, monthly meetings on campuses, also having some larger events. Um, since they all are athletes, a lot of them are these big dedication games or matches or depending on the sport. Um, really just the goal is you know raising awareness, sharing Morgan's story, talking about you know mental health. And the, I mean, really our goal as an organization is making mental health conversations as normal as possible. Um, we really feel like, again, that was something that Morgan didn't feel. And the more we can talk about mental health, share people's experiences, build this community, it helps people realize that they're not alone. And I think long-term specifically because, you know, athlete was such a big aspect of Morgan's identity. Um, An injury was a big aspect of Morgan's story. Um, she, our junior spring um, completely, sorry, sophomore spring completely blew out her knee um, and basically was faced with, you know, a nine to 12 month plan to get back onto the field. Um, Mm -hmm. And for her, that's an injury that she never really recovered from both physically or mentally. Um, And that's where a lot of her mental health emerged. And so a big long-term goal for Morgan's message is to make sure that uh, mental health is treated equal to physical health, um, especially within the world of athletics, because as you know, like there's so much support for your physical health, whether you're injured, um, there's you know trainers, doctors, kind of ready to support you, put you on that schedule to get you back on the field. Um, but there really, to this point, isn't that kind of same structure for mental health, and we really wanted to change that. So that's kind of our long-term goal. Um, the other aspect of Morgan's message, which I can't personally take credit for, but is our podcast and blog series called the Mental Matchup. Um, so similar to your platform, um, really a space to kind of share people's stories and experiences, whether that's current student athletes, former student athletes, um, you know, professionals working with athletes, um, and really just giving people a space to, you know, share these conversations. So that's kind of generally what we're doing as an organization, but I'd really say Morgan's message. The goal is to, you know, build this community where people do not feel alone if they are struggling with their mental health.
0: What's up? It's your host, Tom Smalley. You're listening to the Smallest Talk Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like and subscribe. It's a weird stigma around suicide that it's only sad people um, or that it's uh, not people or it's more quiet people and it can really be anybody.
1: Yeah, I think for Morgan, um, like I mentioned, like her injury was a huge aspect of her story. Um, so her as a person, so she was a top athlete. So on our team, I, I will never forget. Um, we started playing lacrosse together in middle school and I was already on the team and Morgan came into tryouts as a new player and was one of those people that just gave everything in her life, 110%. Um, so she, none of us knew who she was. There are not like a handful of us that had already been on the team and Morgan shows up. And she's so athletic, so fast, just you know, hustling like no one else you've ever seen at these tryouts. And we're all like, "Oh shit! Like, who is this girl? Like, we've never seen her before. Like, what is she? Is she gonna come and like take over our team?" Very intimidating at first, um, but then as soon as she was on our team, like I said, she was one of those people that was just so fun to be around. Um, yes, she was extremely athletic, extremely talented, but she was also one of those people that, you know, really made an effort to include everyone and uplift those around her, which I really. Appreciated and valued from her because you know she's such a top athlete that she could have easily been cocky about her skills mm-hmm. and, all that, and instead, um, was that person that you know would take extra time and like you know stay after practice and like help a teammate who wanted to get better at something else. She would stay there and do drills and kind of do those types of things that you don't have to do, no one's making you do that, but she was that person. Um, and then when we got to college, um, I think I guess. In high school, Morgan was highly recruited. She had a ton of D one offers. Um, again, she was one of those players that she's hard to miss, um, just because she was so um, aggressive and just would never give up on the field. Like a coach's dream, like one of those right. people that just going to work so hard, um, both on the field and then also put in that work off the field. Um, she loved training. She loved lifting. She was what, like, loved being in the gym. If she, if she, if there's nothing going on, you could probably find Morgan in the gym. Um, and she was that person that was going to do whatever it took to kind of get to that le- next level and be the best player she could be. Um, so yeah, she gets all these offers. Um, she ends up going to Duke committing, um, while we were in high school, like pretty early on when we were in high school. Um, and then at that point, um, I was kind of in my own process, ended up deciding to just um, apply to schools, looking at schools that have strong club programs, and so then, kind of by coincidence, I also end up at Duke with Morgan. Um, so once she got to Duke, I think there was that natural adjustment of your all of a sudden everyone on that team is the top players because mm-hmm. you're recruited to a top program. Um, and For so I sure. think Morgan kind of definitely dealt with that initial adjustment, like every college freshman does. All right, here I was this like hot shot on my high school team, my club team, and now. I'm a freshman and I might not play a lot. And And you have to also
0: start from like ground zero, right? You have to build yourself up completely.
1: Um, But I think she handled it well. And I think, um, you know, that freshman year, she didn't get get a ton of playing time, but most freshmen don't get a ton of playing time. And then she came back, worked really hard that summer. And sophomore fall was when she really had this breakout where she just kind of everything was coming together, kind of all of that hard work and time she'd been putting in. Um, she'd been kind of shifted positions a little bit. And finally that during fall ball sophomore year, Morgan was really like in her prime and really set to have a starting position as a sophomore that coming spring. Um, And I think that's when her story is so tragic because um, in practice before, like weeks, week or two before season um, in early January, um, like a non-contact injury in practice, Morgan completely blows out her knee. So for her, I think that was difficult because, again, she, sports were, were it for her. Like every kind of her whole life revolved around lacrosse, um, and all of a sudden she had, had you know, all this anticipation of the season, and all of a sudden it's wiped away. Um, so I think that was really challenging. Um, I spent a lot of time with her in those weeks right after her surgery because, um, one, she was recovering. Two, it was the start of season, so her team, unfortunately, kind of had to continue on. As you do, is like she's injured, but like their team still has to, you know, start their season. So I spent a lot of time with her just because, you know, I was a NARP and had time and I was around (laughs) on campus. Um, And so I think I saw a lot of frustration, but at the same time, she was positive. Like, even though this was like devastating, she was like, you know what, like I'm going to come back and I'm going to prove to everyone that, you know, this is just a bump in the road and, everything that I had just kind of come to before this injury, like I'm going to come back even better when I can. Um, and so she really kind of tackled that head on. Um, and then unfortunately kind of like, as you know, that was progressing, um, her timeline was looking a little bit longer than she had hoped. And I think that's when throughout that season where like season was happening, the team was kind of continuing on. Um, and Morgan was kind of like, feeling kind of lost and frustrated by the position. Yeah, I can imagine.
0: I mean, it's like, you know, you're all of a sudden not totally, a, you're kind of separated, you know, it, yeah. it creates that separation. Um, you know, as a strength coach in the college setting, I saw it all the time um, with, you know, non-contact injuries. And, you know, most of those non-contact injuries when it is a complete tear is that at the minimum six to seven months. Yeah, um, And that's, you know, that's pushing it. And right. so um, that could do a lot to your psyche. I mean, it can do a lot to your, to your, to your mental health. And, um, you know, you're trying to stay relevant to, in a, in a coach's mind during that process, but they're, a, a naturally the coach has to, ha- has a job to do. Right. And they have to right. make sure that they're, they're winning games and they're, they're taking care of the other team. And, um, you know, you want to be, all, and all, all of a sudden, especially if the team's finding success, then you feel like you're not technically a part of that success. And it's, it's extremely, it's extremely frustrating for any athlete um, to to have to to go through that.
1: Yeah, and I think for her, um, some of the things they had a good setup. They had their little like injured reserve team where they had really support for the injured athletes on their team. But I think something I noticed with Morgan was, you know, as that kind of time was going on and she still wasn't kind of back to where she wanted to be, um, things like sleep became a huge factor for her. Um, she really wasn't sleeping or she was sleeping at odd hours. And obviously we know sleep is so important for like body Mm -hmm. healing, both for, you know, your mind and your physical body. Um, and so that was something that I definitely noticed was a change is Morgan. I'd never noticed that about her. And all of a sudden she definitely was looking, you know, more and more tired when I saw her. Um, I think another thing was food, um, as, especially as a female athlete, when she was injured, she lost a ton of muscle weight just in terms of like having to rest. And then even during rehab, you know, you're not going through that same rigorous training that you're used to. And so I think she really struggled with, you know, fueling her body and, you know, how my body all of a sudden looks so different than what it used to look like before I was injured. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously then that balance affects, you know, your physical health and your mental health too. So those were definitely things that I, changes I noticed in her during that period. But for the most part, I think she, you know, tried her best to put on a happy face. She never wanted to burden those around her. Um, I think I was also, feeling that as hard as being injured, you don't want to be like, you know, the downer that's like frustrated that they're injured. You're, you want to be there for your teammates. Right. You want to still be there, like, you know, hyping them up on the sideline at practice, even though you have to spend a ton of extra time going through rehab and everything you're doing. Um, I think Morgan, you know, was putting all of her energy to try and like, Make it seem like everything was totally fine when in reality, um, there's a lot more going on, like underneath the surface. Um, yeah. she actually ended up taking a medical leave of absence from college. Um, it was what was like about a year after her injury. Um, in theory, she technically at that point should have been you know physically cleared to be playing again, but she wasn't. And I think a big aspect was really the kind of like mental health intertwining with the physical health. Um, and ultimately it came to the decision that our spring break of our junior year, um, Morgan was gonna go home for the rest of the semester, um basically just giving herself time to really focus on healing. Um I think it was exhausting. she that summer went up when she was injured. She didn't get to have a normal summer. She spent it, you know, taking classes that she had had to retake from the time that she missed right. her surgery. and then also just, I mean, you already are busy as a student-athlete and then adding the rehab schedule on top of that. I think she had just literally not had a chance to really breathe for 10 right, plus full-time months. Right, full-time
0: job, for sure. Full-time
1: job, yeah. So she ended up making that decision, which I think was such a great decision. Um, she went home to Virginia and really focused on both rehab, also her mental health. So seeing therapists, psychiatrists, and um, actually went back to coach. She coached um, the old club that we had played for. And Morgan love to coach, love to be around younger athletes. So I think that summer was really special for her to kind of try and reset and try and rebuild. And then Duke has a process where you have to actually apply back into school after you've taken that leave and you have to get sign-offs from, you know, all of the team that's kind of been looking after you while you were away. So she right. ended up getting that sign-off from everyone and then comes back to Duke that senior fall. And I think this is what was another unique challenge of like, what's her role now? Um, She had been this injured athlete for a year and then took this time off where she was physically away from campus, like did not, could not physically participate in any of the kind of stuff the team was doing just by nature of the medical leave. And I think this was really hard for her because she technically was like physically cleared to play. But I think she had this difficulty of, you know, am I a senior? Am I like, am I this like junior and a half? Like Yeah. What it's almost like a loss of identity
0: community? at that point. Um, yeah. or, you know, question of identity. And then you, then you ask, I think an under an under, um, talked about aspect also is the mental side of like, like when, with a non-contact injury, um, you know, you lose a lot of confidence, right? Like it happens when you're just cutting or jumping or whatever, like, you have to get that confidence to land on one foot. You have to get that confidence to respond to a stimulus on the field and, and know that when you plant your leg, it's not going to buckle. Your knee's not going to give out, you know? So it's, there's this huge mental hurdle to get over too.
1: Yeah. And I think that was definitely a challenge for her then too, of like, okay, I'm finally back, but this, this process took longer than I ever thought it would. And am I actually like confident in where I am right now, because it's still different than where I was, you know, a year ago, two years ago when she was at her prime. So I think that was really hard for her. And I think that's something that kind of coming back was something she truly probably never really recovered from. Um, and ultimately that winter break, she ended up leaving the team. Um, it kind of was came to the decision that it was probably going to be best for her from both sides for Morgan to really just, you know, focus on herself and I think the fun of lacrosse that she had loved was gone um because that there had just been this struggle over the past year year and a half of you know this was my life and now it's kind of my life and what's going on here um I was I was lucky she ended up actually calling me up and asking if there was a spot for her on the club lacrosse team because I think she realized that after a couple weeks that she wasn't necessarily ready to fully hang up lacrosse but she knew that she couldn't keep playing lacrosse at that yeah. level and the demands of that both physically and mentally um so i actually got to play one last season with her um that spring of 2019 my senior year um which was great because we had never we hadn't played together in years yeah that's amazing That must
0: have been super special
1: and i think then is i kind of saw glimpses of like the old morgan there kind of the fun and energy she brought to the field that i had always like lo- known and loved Um, And but I still think deep down that spring, I look back on it. And that was a time where Morgan was definitely greatly struggling. And really, that was something that I was definitely not privy to like the full extent of what was going on, even though I was someone who was, you know, constantly around her. um, I think she got really good at hiding the pain she was going through. And I think it came from a place of she always gave to others. And she was one of those people that would all do these kind small gestures for her friends. So for example, I took the MCAT when I was in college and Morgan put a little note under my door the morning of, or she would always leave kind of little things for her friends, just like small reminders to pick them up that they, you know, were having a hard week or things were going on. And I think it's sad because one of those things where, you know, Morgan probably needed more of that. And it wasn't obvious that she needed more of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And her way of, I think, dealing with it was trying to Put on to others, and I think it's really hard when you have nothing to give yourself. Um, I don't know that that phrase. You can't pour from an empty cup, and I think that kind of embodies a lot of yeah, what definitely. we're doing. Yeah, definitely. I think I've said leaders. that. I've said
0: that phrase like probably on every episode yet um, of my podcast because um, you know, like we talk to a lot of coaches, we talk a lot to a lot of CEOs of of you know performance companies and and different organizations, and it um, it's a reality thing, especially in um, in athletics or coaching or um, being a teammate being a part of a team being in, in a position of leadership um, you can't board from an empty cup i feel like hindsight's always 2020 20, right like you're you're th- you're all of a sudden thinking about like oh I guess she did you know provide signs here and here and here or uh, like how did I not see this and there's that um you know those those are really really strong and tough feelings to deal with um, while you're grieving about a loss while well, you want to just grieve in general about a loss of a, such a close friend
1: yeah i think that was definitely hard and i think for me especially because i was at college with her i think a lot right. of my friends also had this experience but a little bit different because they were you know had been lifelong friends but weren't physically there and so they're like oh my gosh like i had no idea and i even felt that Like because i was like oh my gosh like i knew I knew she was struggling, like I said. There was things I had noticed, but I never. But I also knew she was, she was getting help. Like she was very, like going through the motions of, right? You know, on the path to getting better. And I think it's just one of those things where, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think she was going through those motions to kind of not worry those around her. Mm-hmm. But was she, you know, really buying into therapy and things like that? Right. I don't know. Right. And I think that was what was really hard for me was. know balancing feeling like oh my gosh like what more could i have done did i miss things um but i think it's important i've come to peace knowing that you know at the end of the day we can't go back and i still try and just tell myself that like i did do a lot our friends did do a lot um and at the end of the day it was just an unfortunate situation where morgan kind of wasn't ready to buy into the help she really needed and i think that's what can be so challenging is she hid a lot of what was going on so well in a way that none of us could have really fully understood that until unfortunately now.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Until it was too late. And, um, you know, I think, you know, what, but what you've done with, you know, the situation and, um, you know, obviously we wish Morgan was still here and, and we could have done something then, but, you know, think about all the, all the, all the lives you're going to save now and, and the educational awareness that you're, that you're giving to, uh, to that, to those types of situations and feelings. Now, um, we, I talked about it with, uh, Kristen Mackle and and Sarah Ferris, two clinicians on my, on my podcast a week ago. And, um, you know, I, I think people are, are the, the mental health conversations improving. Um, I think it is getting better, but there is a weird, um, people aren't, willing to talk about the word suicide. Um, People don't want to hear the word suicide, don't want to talk about the word suicide. Um, When in reality, like, that's what's literally like, you know, causing us to lose people, Like, right? So like, the more we can talk about, like, and normalize the fact that people have suicidal feelings and 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 struggle with suicidal ideation is is extremely um, important.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest things that I've taken away and really tried to implement in my life now, and I always tell like other people or the ambassadors I work with, like it's we can't be afraid to, you know, ask those difficult questions if people are considering harming themselves or considering suicide because that was something I had never said before, mm-hmm. and I think um, I've completed first aid, mental health first aid training, and that's one of the biggest things they emphasize there, and one of the things. I've done one of my friends um, that works on Morgan's message with me is she was like, it's so uncomfortable to say those words or say that phrase. Um, And so if you need to like stand in the mirror and practice saying it in the mirror so that if you are ever, unfortunately in that situation where you need to ask that question, it feels more comfortable Then that's what kind of you need to do because it's the worst question. It's a question no one wants to ask, but it's a question we have to ask. So I think that's something that I always am like, I wish I would asked that question. Right. And You're going to regret
0: not asking that question eventually if, if, you know, if it does become too late. And, um, I think it's, you know, it's interesting to me that, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, one of the goals of, of Morgan message is to, um, because of Morgan's situation with her knee and is to have mental health treated the same as physical health. Um, and, you know, I think that's where, where our organizations align, um, pretty closely with, you know, with anxiety and athletes. Um, that's kind of one of our main focuses too, is, is start normalizing the conversation of like, okay, I'm going to the doctor for my, my brain instead of, uh, to, to, for my mental health. Um, and it's, it's totally normal and I, sh- and you know, that I shouldn't be worried about my playing time decreasing or my teammates looking at me strangely. Um, but you wouldn't say, you know, you don't struggle. Most people don't struggle saying the word cancer, right. Or, right. you know, saying I have a broken leg, but um, and, you know, saying the word cancer, like that's terminal sometimes. Right. So like, but, and, but when we say the word suicide, you know, people get very, um, spooked out by it because, um, you know, it's, it's something that you can't see.
1: Yeah. I think that's the big thing is, um, I've had these conversations with Morgan's mom. She is kind of the behind the scenes running it all from Morgan's message on a lot of the aspects of it. And she, I've always lived in a life where we've talked about cancer, but she always says, like, when I was growing up, you know, cancer was this taboo thing. And she's like, look at the progress we've made through research and so many organizations working to, you know, prioritize and, you know, supporting people struggling uh, with a cancer diagnosis. And she's like, I would just love someday that mental health has that same community support and same viewpoint where it's really seen someone's sick and morgan morgan was really sick and i think if you see it as that and versus compared to just like you know the stuff going on in her brain um that's where i think it kind of garners the respect deserves that this is something that people aren't choosing to feel this way just like people aren't choosing to have a physical ailment and recognizing that just like a physical ailment or illness or diagnosis um there is treatment. There are kind of steps you can take to get better. And I think that's where we turn that corner. And I think we are making so much progress. Even mm-hmm. I think COVID forced our entire society to recognize that, Definitely. you know, mental health affects more of us than we want to admit or even realize. Um, right. But I, well, think I think the reality
0: that- is not to cut you off, but something that, you know, Kristen Mackle said on, on, the, on the last podcast was that everybody has mental health, right? I mean, like if you have a brain, you have mental health, you know, right. obviously, Men, having a mental health disorder may be different, right? I don't know who just rang my doorbell. Uh, I even though I had a doorbell in my apartment, um, but you know, mental health, you know, disorder. Obviously, like I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder when I was um, fifteen. Like it was debilitating my life. I couldn't leave the house, right? So, but so that's obviously a disorder and a mental illness, right? But everybody has mental health because you, if you have a brain, that's the health around your brain, right? And so, um, to say that, like you know, mental health only affects x amount of people, you know, it affects everybody. It's it's just to to what degree, right? And so, um, it doesn't mean everybody has a mental health disorder, right? But it, it it does mean that people suffer from emotions and and feelings, right? And m- majority of people suffer from some to- some type of anxiety,
1: right. Yeah. I think the other thing is like, I, someone always says like, we have good mental health too. We don't, mental health isn't always bad. Right, it, right. It's something we have and mental, our mental health can be great. Our mental health can be bad. Um. And yeah, I love that you said that. Cause I think people it's hard, it's hard to differentiate, which we should that, you know, mental health doesn't necessarily mean you have a mental illness or diagnosed mental health disorder and mental health. We all have it. And yes, right. and also, there's a lot of people who have a mental illness and um, it's important to recognize that this isn't anything that, you know, only affects certain people or, Oh, you're going to necessarily, cause this is your experience. Like you're going to have this happen to you. Um, it really right. affects all of us. And if even if I also would argue that mental illness affects all of us, because, you know, if it's not affecting you personally on a daily basis, it's statistically speaking, affecting someone close to you in your life. Right. And in that sense, 100%. Are, it's affecting you.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I know. It's so true. I mean, I think about, You know, all my friends that and family, right? I mean, they didn't, they weren't suffering with their mental health, but when I was going through it, right? Like my, like, I mean, God bless my family; they put up with so much, and you know, obviously, they were so supportive through through my struggle. But like, you know, it was affecting somebody else that they loved. Um, So it's this prevalent thing, right? Like, so like just just like like what we talked about with physical health, right? Like, I don't have cancer, right? I don't have a, a terminal illness, but like, you know, I might know somebody that has a terminal illness. So it's affect, you know, just like mental health affects, it affects everybody. Yeah. What's up? It's your host, Tom Smalley. You're listening to the Smalls Talk podcast on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Be sure to like and subscribe.
1: Because I think it's, It's one thing to, obviously, you know, we need to be having these conversations everywhere, but I think it is, there's a level of comfort of coming together with peers to have this conversation. And then obviously that grows to, you know, your larger team and the adults in your life. But I think with something like mental health that has been just historically difficult to talk about, um, I really, it's empowering to bring together students to kind of relate to each other and share their experiences. Um, kind of how the program works is, you know, all of our ambassadors come to us organically. We don't recruit any of them. Um, every single person, you know, finds finds Morgan's message somehow and um, reaches out wanting to become an ambassador. And I think that's really powerful because I think that's the most rewarding part for me of working on Morgan's message is connecting with Absolutely. these students. And um, the willingness
0: of them to reach out to you is, it, that makes a huge deal, right? I mean, like, Um, you know, there's a lot of there's definitely a quite a few mental health organizations that do this kind of thing um with ambassadors, maybe not on campuses. I think that's very unique to you guys because I think it's important that you've um identified a need of especially in that area of college athletics, um, because student athlete lives are chaotic to say the least. Um, but I think it really does go a long way um that people are coming to you and and just like the I I wouldn't say it's, I, I guess it is a brand right, but the or the the aura and um, you know environment and, and atmosphere and culture that you've built allows um, draws people to want to be an ambassador for your organization for the cause that you're that you're representing.
1: Yeah, and I just feel very lucky to I don't know hear their stories. So when they apply, a lot of there's like a question that asks about you know what, why are they wanting to get involved, and I think. That's kind of what we were just saying. Like a lot of these people, it's from personal experience with their own journeys. Mm-hmm. A lot of them is experiences with friends and family members close to them. Um, and I think for me, I feel so lucky to help, you know, give them this platform, give them something where they can take their passion and, you know, make an impact on their campus by, you know, implementing this program. And I work with a team of different clinicians to come up with kind of materials for them to use in these meetings. Um, So everything really is education driven, evidence driven, and it's meant to be delivered by students. So this is meant to not be delivered by clinicians, mental health professionals. It is meant to be information that the students themselves can share with their peers. And it's a wide range of topics. It's little presentations, activities, discussion questions. It's meant to be really engaging because i don't know we all spend so much time like listening to professors lecture at us so that's really not the goal of these groups it's really meant to be you know this safe space where people can talk about you know performance anxiety injury um stress like big topics like that um also just generally encouraging them to like better check in with themselves and each other and i think that's what that's what's so inspiring is seeing these students and seeing them kind of have this opportunity and where they take it and like i said they also love to do these larger events on campus and i think those are really special um where they're you know involving their opponents we've had so many teams have these dedication games and you know it's opponents who obviously at the end of the day like everyone just wants to win that game but the fact that they you know take a moment pause might have morgan's message shirts as their warm-ups there's they make an announcement right. as two teams together about why mental health is important to them i think that that speaks volumes. Just having people take time to recognize that this is something that we should all be caring about and prioritizing. Um, and I think also the other really cool aspect of the program is obviously they're building this community on our campus, but then we also have a community amongst our ambassadors across the different schools. So at this point, we have almost two thousand ambassadors on over eight hundred campuses, both high school and college. And I think putting them all in a room, even if it's a virtual Zoom room, but giving them a chance to meet each other. I think there have been amazing kind of friendships and connections that have formed because again, these are like-minded people and giving them a chance to, you know, get to meet with other students who also care about this and also are prioritizing this work, um, I think is so special. And I just feel really lucky to get to work with them and get to meet them. Um, And it's like, like you said earlier, I think this obviously losing Morgan is, one of the hardest things I've dealt with, but I think I feel really proud that we are able to carry out her legacy through Morgan's message. And that it's kind of surreal that so many students across the country are doing this work kind of in her memory and in her name. And I think that's what makes it worth it.
0: You're pushing the the conversation forward, which is super crucial, um, especially after the pandemic. And I think, you know, I think there were obviously you know, a lot of tragedy in that pandemic, but there, I think there was a silver lining of, you know, it taught us a lot about, about mental health and it it made people kind of realize um, that it needs to be talked about more. And um, I think more people realize how much they deal with it um, on a daily, daily basis too.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Um, If Morgan was here, you know, today, um, what do you think, you know, she's thinking about, about Morgan's message and, and kind of, what do you think um, she would want other athletes to know, you know, about her struggles and, or what she would tell athletes, you know, that are going through similar struggles.
1: Yeah. I laughed because Morgan was such a charismatic person and she like, she knew that she was liked by so many people just because she had that energy. So I laugh. Cause I think Morgan would j- jokingly say something like, yeah, of course there's all these people who like, love this like <laughs> yeah. something that like is in my honor or whatever but i think that i think it's a hard one because i think really she i don't think she would have had comments about this because it's not it's really not something that she was that open to talking about right. but i think that i like to think that the if this group had existed at duke when morgan was injured and really going through it. I think it's something she really could have benefited from, whether that was something that she would have, you know, showed up to and talked at every single meeting, probably not, but I think that's the other beauty of it is that there's plenty of people who can kind of passively take in this information and still really benefit from it. Um, I also just think that these groups are just inspiring a culture shift um, within teams too. I've heard from so many coaches who are now just like looking for the tools to be able to talk about mental health more with their team. And I think that's something that I'm seeing a really positive shift. Not that coaches weren't previously doing that, but I think that it kind of had to be, be
0: forced on a lot of them, honestly. I mean, it was yeah. po- like, I mean, I, I, I've worked with a, plenty of sport coaches, you know, as a strength coach at the college setting. And a lot of them were not looking for it. It was more like, these are these resources. You need to start incorporating this into your, your team culture. Um, and now I think coaches are looking for it a little bit more because I think one, it builds trust with athletes and you're going to get more out of athletes if they trust you and feel accepted in their, in your culture. Um, I think outdated thinking of, of, you know, you're weak if you're struggling kind of thing is, is, is going out the door now and as it should. Um, right. but I think, you know, I think I, I, that's one of the main things we do with things I athletes is, is provide, we want to keep providing more and more resources for coaches, parents, um, team, like even like up, upstairs athletic administration, like, at in schools, like assistant ADs and just things like that, that, um, need those resources to kind of create a, a, a athletic culture and and, an atmosphere of accepting that, that talk.
1: Yeah. And I think it's totally generational too. I think, like, I look at like my parents and they especially never talked about mental health. So I think, and I think there's plenty of coaches that are, significantly older than their players and i think it's a matter of it's not a it's not not wanting to learn just never be, having been given the opportunity to kind of know that information and recognize it so i think i'm optimistic that you know we're at a turning point where people are willing to see this as something that's important and i do think that there are lots of coaches out there who are making this a priority because i think like you said like the more like the better mental health that your team does they're going to perform physically better on the field. And I think it's recognizing that those two aren't separate entities and you kind of need, really need mental health to be strong, to also see that kind of physical performance from your team. And when we can recognize that that needs to be a priority, I think is when teams are going to have a ton of success.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it it goes, it goes without saying, I mean, it goes back to that, what you were saying earlier about that, um, you know, being a nurse in your, in your field, like that, looking at your patient's more than what they're in the, the, you know, the, the emergency room for or what are the doctor's office for, right. It's, it's, uh, looking them as a, looking at them as a human being and, and what they're going through outside of what that acute problem is. Right. And so, um, it, it carries over to athletes, right. It's just looking at things with a, a holistic realm and a lens. And so, uh, but I really appreciate you, you coming on and, and, um, you know, carrying Morgan's message, no pun intended and, and, uh, doing her justice by, uh, sharing her story so well. And, and, and she sounds like she was a an tremendous person. Um, one of those people that just has walks into a room. I, I feel like everybody always knows those people that just walks into a room and you can feel their presence. Um, you know, she sounded like one of those people. And I think what you, what you guys are doing is, is so important and, um, is pushing that, that conversation forward and going to help so many people.
1: Yeah, thank you. I hope so. I feel like in the short kind of, since we've started in 2020, um, we've definitely seen some major wins and progress. So I'm optimistic that 2023 will bring even more um, exciting stuff for Morgan's message. So yeah, thank you so much for having me here today.
0: Definitely. Thanks, Claire.